Welcome to the Word Podcast. The Lord God has given us His Word. Let us learn it. Let us live it. Let us rejoice in it. Spread the Word. Blessings, everyone. This is Dale. Thank you so much for joining with me. So how are you doing? How are you doing with what we've been learning in the last two or three episodes together? Uh, as a leader, how are you doing? Are you uh, exercising oversight? Or are you doing it with compulsion and arrogance? Okay, You know, a lot of times people think, well, that's just applying to the elders within the body of Christ. Yeah, that's what it's talking about here, no doubt. But I think the principle can be applied to several things. All of us are leaders in some form or fashion. Every person leads someone or a friend or somebody that's Areas and arenas within relationships where you're the leader, uh, particularly within the family, you know, uh, moms, dads, you're the elders, you're the leader. And these principles can be applied there that, you know, you exercise oversight and love. You do it voluntarily. You don't do it out of sordid gain. You do it out of eagerness. OK, you don't do it lording over the people. And we do all this as proven to be an example uh, the elder in the, in the first Peter chapter five has been spoken about here. The group of elders, they're doing it to be examples of the flock. He says you need to prove to be examples to the flock and how we're supposed to be live, living. Well, in the same way within a family. And then we saw that uh, the reward is that when the chief shepherd, when the Lord Jesus Christ appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So he spoke that to elders. Then to the younger men, he said, likewise, likewise, likewise what? Well, likewise, in the same way that the elders are being subject to the chief shepherd in the same way that they're uh, functioning within the body of Christ, we're to do the same thing, that the young men would be elders, uh, subject to the elders. And then he says, all of us, and here's the big thing I was really referring to at the beginning, are to clothe ourselves with humility toward one another. How you been doing on that? Clothing yourself with humility toward one another. That's an action. That's something we're to do. We're to put on that humility because we can take it off. We can rip right through it and act like we should not. But clothe ourselves with humility. And then he tells us exactly why. Because God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Then in verse 6, 1 Peter 5, he says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. Ah, you've heard that verse. Uh, probably as a kid, right? Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Okay? That's, the, that's that verse. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. We are to walk humbly before one another, in humility before one another, and then we are to humble ourselves. I can't humble somebody else. Okay, I can't make you that do that. Only I can do that in relationship to God. So he says, do this. Just humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And notice how he said mighty hand of God, not just under God. The mighty hand, the idea, that they, one of those anthropomorphisms that God has a hand. Well, God's spirit, okay, so he has no body as such, the uh, Father. But it's given us a picture right here that we're humbling ourselves under his strength, under his power, under his might, under what he wants to perform and do with his hand. What is his purpose? Lord, I'm going to humble myself under that. What's the purpose of all that? That he may exalt you at the proper time. Okay? The Lord will desire to exalt. He will raise up. He will use you at the proper time. We in the Western world, in the Western church, really have no concept of that. And I love just thinking about this from time to time and dropping it on, particularly Bible studies and things like that. 
But have you ever thought about this? <coughs> what if you lived your entire life and you lived 70, 80, 90 years and that entire life was lived for one moment that occurred? might have occurred when you were in your 20s. might occur when you're 70 or 80, whatever it is. But that one moment, which will totally, absolutely impact uh, your great, great, great granddaughter, someone that you'll never meet, but because of something that you did will have that impact 100 years down the road. You say, well, that's sort of weird. Well, no, not really. God wants to exalt us at the proper time. And so we may live our entire lives for this one moment, and it may be so fleeting, it may be five minutes. It may be five years, maybe five months. We simply don't know. But it's God that does this. He exhausts us. He is the one that will lift us up. So what are we to do in the meantime? Well, he tells us. Verse 6 says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. Verse 7, Casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Boy, that is a biggie right there. Casting all of our cares, all of our concerns, all of our fears, all of our frustration, all of our anxiety on him. And it's casting upon him. That's interesting because apparently the idea is uh, we can hang on to him. If we want to, we can hang on to him and be anxious about this. And I tell you what, I have some, I know some people like this. And, and it's sort of sad because uh, it really has an impact. It has an impact relationally. It has an impact physiologically. I know several people, not just one. I mean, I know several, several people that are uh, professing believers, and I think they truly are, okay, from what I see. And you say, well, you can't judge that. <laughs> hey, Scripture says we can be fruit inspectors, okay? In other words, uh, what you say you believe and the way you're acting and behaving can be, uh, you know, one and the same, or it can be a little different. And uh, these folks, uh, they, they truly are, are, I believe, believers. And yet they walk within arenas of anxiety, of anxiety, to such a degree that they're, they're unable to be at peace with anything. Uh, they're unable to sleep well, for instance. They don't sleep well at all if they sleep. And because they're anxious about things. And the Lord says, no, don't do that. Don't do that. And it's really interesting because when you read this, these two verses together, it's all one sentence. He says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. What, what's being revealed here in other portions of the scripture is that when we hang on to these things that make us anxious, you know, half the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is talking about be anxious for nothing, don't be anxious for anything. I mean, a huge portion of it talks about anxiety. And it looks like right here, what he's saying is this, that because you haven't humbled yourself, you're sort of hanging on to this anxiety. And hanging on to this anxiety and not humbling yourself is really a form of idolatry. Because if you're hanging on to the anxiety, and to the anxiety what you're saying is, I can handle this better, or this right here is more of a God in my life than the Most High God is. Let me read this last verse again. Casting all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. If you don't cast your anxiety upon Him and acknowledge that He's the one who cares for you, what you're really saying is, I can take care of myself, or somebody else can take care of it, the situation can take care of me. And when you find that it doesn't, you're anxious about it. Now, this isn't always easy, particularly when the families, I totally understand there's times when the enemy comes in, and you start being truly 
anxious in the flesh over, let's say, your children, okay? I think there's nothing wrong, but I think parents should be concerned for their children, okay? But this anxiety is something that ties you up and that draws you away from the Most High God and gives more attention to the situation and the circumstance than it does the Most High God. And by definition, idolatry is giving more attention to something than the Most High God. And boy, I've shared that with a couple of people. They don't get really excited about that because they don't. We don't want to think that that type of thing is idolatry, but it is. So, how do you deal with it? Well, what he said at the beginning: humble yourself, and humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. It really is a crying out to God. And God, I don't understand this. You know my feelings. You know my heart. I don't want to be like this, but I find myself like this. Lord, will you help me? Boy, God will move on that. Place yourself on the mighty hand of God. He will exalt you at the proper time. When's the proper time? His timing. Casting all your anxiety on him. It's a great children's song. I'll cast all my cares upon you. I'll lay all my burdens down at your feet. And anytime I don't know what to do, I will cast all my cares upon you. I sort of have a debate with that because not only is it anytime I don't know what to do, but it's especially in the times when I think I know what to do. I'll cast all my cares on you. It's every time, every moment we cast all of our cares upon him. And as we do that, we will not be anxious for any way. Not in the way uh, that the enemy brings against our lives. Not in the way that binds us up and separates us from God. If you find yourself in this type of situation, just go before the Lord. Humble yourself under his mighty hand. He'll exalt you. Cast all your anxieties upon him and watch what he does because he cares for you. I'm Dale. I'll see you again next time.